Welcome to Ability Stories Podcast, where we discuss the successes, challenges, and stories of people with disabilities. I'm your host, Tara Briggs. To contact me, please send an email to abilitystories at gmail.com. So you've applied, you have a job at the School for the Blind, Mm -hmm. and what are you doing for them? I was a Braille proofreader. So inside the school, there is this office, it's the Utah State Instructional Materials Access Center. We just call ourselves USIMAC, because you should. Um, Who wants to say Utah State Instructional Materials Access Center all the time? Basically, our responsibility was to get the books that blind kids need in alternative formats. Braille large print, daisy, any, you know, any, the alternative format of their choice or of their teacher's choice. I don't know how much choice the kids actually had in their format choosing. Um, but I proofread the braille books and I wish when I was in school, somebody proofread the braille books Mm. because I would have books that had completely different math problems that had spelling errors that just had weird braille in them. And my job was to go through all of the books and I worked with an aide and my aide read a print copy of the book and I read the braille. Did you like it? Did you like doing it? For a while. Yeah. Um, did, I mean, did it get boring? I mean, yes. seventh grade math, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, I think I might need to get a, get a lot of drinks of water from the water fountain. Right. I'm <laughs> doing that. I'm sorry. And but... <laughs> it got to the point where my... Um, they actually told me at one point in time, you, you as part of the interview process, you take a test, mm-hmm. a, a Braille literary and Nemeth proofreading test, mm-hmm. and you mark all the mistakes that you find. Mm. I got told at one point that, I don't know if I was the highest scoring person who took the Nemeth portion of the test, but I was one of the top ones. Mm. Consequence of that meant that I got to read all of the math. Oh my gosh. And... I hated it. Like, yeah. I mean, it just, my brain. An irony from the non-math yeah, thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I could tell you if there were mistakes in it, but I just, you know, it's just math all the time. Um, but the um, the aides, you know, either the aide or I would read aloud and the other would follow along. And you had to read every, like, every punctuation, every sure. capital letter, all you know. And you devise, you work with the same aide for the most part every day mm-hmm. so we devised shorthand like you know if if a whole word or a whole group of things was capitalized we would just say all caps sure, sure. and then so you know there's you you make shorthand because otherwise ever, it would be a really tedious process did you ever do like accents I, I remember working with a reader in college and it actually ended up being a really a class that i really liked mm-hmm. but the first reading was just this dreadful primary source document of boredom from a zillion years from this empire and it was Mm -hmm. just terrible and the reader was starting to read it in a british accent i mean it got bad (laughs) did you you ever come up with just some humor to try and get you through you you had to (laughs) you really had to um and i i i would do accents Mm -hmm. i went through a period of about three weeks where i read in a like really really overly emphasized Bronx accent (laughs) and 
Can I hear it? No. <laughs> Mostly because I can't do it anymore. Um, it's actually funny. It started, I was in Reno for the American Council of the Blind Convention. Mm-hmm. And one day out the blue, that accent just sort of started. Mm-hmm. And it stuck with me for about three weeks after I came back. And my coworkers were like, did you not just go to Reno or did you like have a convention in New York secretly? Oh, that's awesome. But it, that's it just great. stayed and I read like that. And um So it helped. You 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 obviously had some gratification from knowing what you were doing was helping people. Absolutely. And, and I actually had a kid thank me once. Mm. I I don't know how we encountered each other. I don't really remember. Mm. I just remember I was talking to this person and this other person came up and they were like, Mr. Lipsy. And then the kid was like, wait, you're John Lipsy? And I said, yeah. And they said, as in proofread by? And I said, (laughs) yes. And they said, oh, thank you. So that was nice. It was, it was a one-off thing. Like it never happened again, but it was kind of cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so what didn't, you're not there anymore. No. What didn't you like? A couple of things. The monotony of it just kind of grated on me after a while. Yeah. As I stated before, I wanted a job that was people-oriented. Mm-hmm. I saw my coworkers every day, but I didn't like interact on either telephone or via email or in person coming into the office with anybody else. Mm-hmm. That was it. It was me and my coworkers and my books. Mm. And I loved when I got to read novels oh sure (laughs) i got to read um they gave me this book and they said it's called princess academy and as soon as i heard the title i was like this looks like a really boring book i'm not gonna want to read this oh i I started that i've never finished it you need to finish it it's so good yes even for a guy right yes it has a girly title it really does and that's (laughs) why i thought i was gonna hate it Mm -hmm. i tried to convince my aide that we should work overtime and finish it in a single day Mm. but um we probably realistically could have, but because it's a state job and you're very, you know, your budget's very closely monitored, they weren't going to give us overtime. Right, right. So we went home, but I totally would have like sat there and finished it because it was a really good book. Um, and I got to read a Spanish textbook, mm. which I enjoyed because I hadn't done Spanish for a good couple of years. So it was nice to kind of re, like read it and p- like pick up my Spanish pronunciation with like a native accent again and mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the only drawback was none of my aides read Spanish or spoke Spanish. So it was kind of difficult for me to know if there actually were mistakes because they couldn't tell me necessarily. Um, but 90% of what I read was math Mm. and that just got really awful after a while. And there was one day when I considered just straight up quitting. I didn't have, I didn't have a fallback plan. But um, I submitted a vacation request for the American Council of the Blind convention the next year. It was in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I submitted my vacation request, and my direct supervisor signed off on it and gave it to the director of the entire program because it had to go through both of them. Oh, my gosh. And she emailed me back and says, I got your vacation request. You want five days off in July. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that that that's exactly what it says. So right. why are you reiterating this to me? It's something bad is going to come right. very soon. Right. She says, I can give you two of those days off. You let me know which two. If you really want all five off. And I submitted this request in like March or April because right. I had to do airfare and hotel and, you know, sure. get everything arranged for July. 
So she said, I can give you two days off today if you let me know which two you want. I'll approve those, no problem. If you still want all five, I'll let you know two weeks ahead of time if you can have them. Oh my gosh. That... And I thought, that it's not going to work. Yeah. Airfare is going to be so expensive. I may not be able to get a hotel room at the convention hotel, and I don't really like to travel to a separate hotel if I don't have to. That's stupid. Yeah. Um, so I went home that night, and I called my mom, and I said, Hi. Now, did, just let me interrupt you yes. real quick. Did you not have the type of relationship with this individual where you could go, Wait a minute, that doesn't work. Here's why. And she would listen to reason? Is that not? Uh, no. I never felt like she was very approachable. Mm-hmm. The difference between her and every manager I've ever had at Apple mm-hmm. is way pronounced. Mm-hmm. Like, I could go to any of my managers at Apple if I didn't get a time off request approved. And first of all, if I didn't get a time off request approved at Apple, they wouldn't send me an email like that. Mm-hmm. They would they would deny the request. They would put comments as to why they denied it. And then the, the request would be, you know, resubmitted to me so I could, like change it it wouldn't really like this felt very much like an ultimatum to me and i didn't an ultimatum of of you take two days off of your choosing or you get none unless i decide two weeks ahead of time that i'm going to be nice and give them to you so do you think it was sort of a power trip mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. i very much do um so you, so you go home and i go home happy. and i'm not happy i'm very unhappy this was this was the second time I had considered leaving. Mm-hmm. The first time we had a staff meeting, and I don't remember the content of the meeting, but um, I remember going home from the staff meeting, calling my girlfriend at the time and telling her, this is going to be the most unreasonable thing you're ever going to hear from me, but... Find us both jobs. She lived in New York at the time. She mm-hmm. still does. I said, find us both jobs. I will book a one-way plane ticket and we'll find a place and I'll just come because mm. I was done. Oh. And we that obviously I'm still here. Right. So that didn't happen. But that was like that was the first time that I was just kind of like, I can't do this anymore. And I wish mm-hmm. I could remember the content of the staff meeting. Mm. But after this second thing with the vacation oh, time... Thanks. Okay, so you go home that night. I go home that night and I call my mom because I needed to vent to somebody about Mm. it. And I called my mom and I said, this is how my day went. How would you feel if I just up and left my Mm. job? And she said, are you serious? And I said, I'm 100% serious. I'm fed up. I was, I think I was actually a little beyond fed up. Mm. And she said, do you have another option? And I said, well, I, I actually was in the process of reapplying for Apple at that time. Mm-hmm. but I hadn't gotten anything back from them. And I said, not really. I said, you know, I, I reapplied at Apple, but I haven't heard back from them. And she said, you don't want to leave without having a job lined up to take over for it. Yeah. And I hated hearing that, but I needed to because I was not being a rational human being. Well, and, and the other thing they say is it's significantly easier to get a job when you have a job. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the sad irony, but... It's weird, but it's people true. People see that you're doing something, they're more likely yeah, to hire you. Yeah, very much so. So I stayed, and um, Apple actually reached out to me in July of 13 mm-hmm. and invited me to interview. Mm. And... I uh, I did. I went and interviewed, and they said, you know, 
they they just sort of took me and they were like welcome and they didn't say anything about my blindness or anything mm-hmm. and um we had a very nice interview and they said we'll call you back or no they said we'll let you know by friday because what, kind of, what kind of questions did they ask it's a very weird interview experience the questions are I don't recall them very much being Apple related at all. Mm-hmm. They're very much more kind of personality questions. And I don't remember any of them specifically, but they're not, they're, they're more about trying to figure out who you are as a person. Well, they're I, figuring the tech skills and stuff can come later if you don't have them. If you have them, that's great. It kind of makes sense because you can teach tech skills far easier than you can teach attitude. Absolutely. And caring. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this interview was on a Monday. They said, we'll let you know by Friday Mm -hmm. if you're going to be invited to a second round of interviews or not. So the nice thing was they were going to call me even if I didn't make it, Mm. which I hadn't ever had from a job before. I just never heard from people before. So I go to work Tuesday morning and I get a phone call and they said, we're having a second round of interviews. Can you come on Friday? Mm -hmm. And I said, sure. And then I said, I technically had to work Friday, Mm -hmm. but, uh, did you call in sick? Yes. Yes, I did. I was bad. I but I didn't the flu. I, I didn't the feel guilty. Flu. I didn't feel I, guilty I at all. You. So I went to interview and uh then there was a little bit more waiting. Mm-hmm. And then a couple weeks later, I got a call from the manager although he didn't I didn't know he was going to be my direct manager at the time. Mm-hmm. I just got a call from a manager at an Apple store and he said I want to hire you. Mm-hmm. it's going to be at the new Apple store at Station Park in Farmington. And I had a little bit of reservation about it because I didn't know, I'd never taken the front runner to Farmington. And since the Apple store wasn't open yet, nobody was allowed to discuss where specifically the Apple store was located oh, in Farmington. Right. So I didn't know, like I knew I could get to Farmington. I just didn't know how easily it would hit, like, you know, how easy it would be to get from there to the Apple store. Right. So he, uh, he he told me, actually. Oh, so you talked to him about, uh, I do need to kind of know where you're going to yes. be. Yes, <laughs> yes, I, I did. And he told me where it was going to be. And and it's off the front runner. It's... it's it's a bit of a walk. I mean, it's not a huge walk, but it's like 15, 20 minutes away from the front runner. If you... Sometimes when you use public transportation, it's like, okay, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to cross an open parking lot without sidewalks and stuff it's eight minutes but mm-hmm. i walked around the mall to where i could cross the parking lot with a sidewalk just because i felt safer doing it that way right. so you know adds on some time but whatever i took it it was you know and um so i started and it was it was a very very different work environment so a couple of, of questions um you didn't get the job the first time and you got a the second time yes have you thought about why you didn't get it the first time no just didn't work out it didn't um never really bothered you it's never really bothered me it would it may have bothered me more if they had reached out to me and interviewed me the first time oh okay so you didn't you didn't get interviewed i didn't hear from them at all the first time oh okay and so what do you do i mean maybe yeah loads and loads of people apply yeah. I think it helped that my second application came right as they were opening a new store in Utah. Yeah. Because they needed more people. Mm-hmm. Some of the people that worked at the new store were transfers from the other stores. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of us were brand new to Apple. 
So it helps when new stores open. But I mean, loads of people want to work for Apple. Yeah. So if if you apply and don't hear back, it's nothing against you as a person. It's just, you know, recruiters are getting hundreds, if not thousands of applications every day. They have to pick and choose very, very carefully through some kind of criteria that nobody really knows. Yeah. Well, they do, but. Well, and who knows if they, you know, look at the first 50 and yours happens to be yeah, 51. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, so what was your training like? Training was not what I expected. What I expected it to be was very tech-based. Mm-hmm. These are Apple products. This is what each one does. This is how it works, like, internally. <laughs> That's not what training was. Mm. Training was very customer service-based, mm-hmm. very, a lot of role-play. Mm-hmm. in different uh different scenarios and um we actually our training took place at the same time they announced the new iphone uh the 5s came out that year mm. and the day they had the announcement about the new 5s we actually took some time out of training we, we did accelerated training that morning mm-hmm. and then took the afternoon and watched the announcement about the new phones mm. which they told us is very rare that doesn't often happen but we uh, we somehow got lucky. And I decided at that point, I was talking to one of the ladies who was facilitating our training. Mm-hmm. And I had decided, even back then, even though I had barely worked for Apple, hadn't set foot in a store, you know, didn't have any experience, if her job ever came up as something that I could do, I was going to do it. Because she got to travel and train new hires. Mm. And... That was a kind of teaching that I felt that I could get behind and do really well at. Mm-hmm. And she got to travel. I mean, she had a store that she worked at when she wasn't doing trainings. But I love, you know, I love traveling. It's just one of the things that I've always loved to do. Mm-hmm. So I um, don't know that I've got, now, now that I, you know, I think about it and I don't know that my experience is quite, I don't know that I'm quite ready for that mm-hmm. challenge yet. But it's still, it, it still remains a goal. That's cool. That I'm reaching for. So you feel like it's a company that you can um, advance in, and I do. They're very good. Um, I I started as part time. Mm -hmm. I'm still part time, and I told one of my managers in my annual review. I said, you know, I really want to do full time. And he said, in your current position as a red zone specialist, there's not a whole. I mean, there are opportunities for full time, but there aren't as many as there are in some other areas of the store. Let's get you some training so you can do family room stuff because there are more full-time openings in family What's room. What's family room? Family room is um, the people who take the Genius Bar appointments. Oh, okay. And so he told me, he said, let's, he said, if, if you want to do the, the family room training, more full-time opportunities would become available to you. And like, I said, that sounds great. So take them as in schedule them or take them as in do them? Do them. Mm. Meet with the customer, figure out what the issue is, fix it if you can. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be doing actual physical repairs mm-hmm. for two reasons. A, family room specialists do not do physical repairs. Only people who are actually geniuses mm-hmm. who go through very specialized genius training get to do physical hardware repairs. Mm-hmm. B, components inside of iPhones are ridiculously tiny. I took one apart once and... Yeah, I remember. I remember you telling me about that when we were visiting. I don't know if I'd want to take earlier. one apart again. 
Like, aren't some of the stuff just tinier than a Braille dot? I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. Tinier. It's crazy, the, the little things inside of there, you know? Like you thought you had a good sense of touch until you took apart yes. your iPhone. Yes, yes. Like, my sense of touch is crappy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but um, we, we talked about this back in July. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit bummed because I hadn't heard anything about it since. And then in December, I got an email from the store manager like not my direct manager, but the manager over the entire store. And he said, you want to do family room training and we, you know, we want you to do it. They're very supportive of me over there. Mm -hmm. But he said, there's two things we don't know. A, the training materials themselves, because just, just because they're on an iPad doesn't necessarily guarantee they're going to be accessible. Mm -hmm. B, the internal systems that the family room team uses, we don't know if those are accessible. Mm Mm-hmm. So rather than just say, we don't know if it's not accessible, so we're not going to offer the training to you, he's reached out to somebody at the corporate office to see if he can figure out the answer. Mm. And so now we're just waiting on that. But in the meantime, I've been um, talking to some of the people who do Genius Bar stuff, and I'm working on getting opportunities to shadow them before the training. That's great. And nobody has said, don't do it, which is kind of strange to me to not be steered away from a course. How come? Because part of what they do is visually inspect phones for water damage. Mm -hmm. And I can't visually inspect a phone for water damage, but nobody has used that as an excuse to say, don't take family room training. Well, you're also the, not the only person there, right? Exactly. I mean, if you've ruled stuff out, you can be like, hey, I'm going to call Fred. Yeah, totally. Fred, take and, a look and, at this phone. And I have to do that anyway, because one of the things we do is we do, we have what's called a reuse and recycle program. Mm-hmm. So you can bring your old iPhone and we'll give you a credit toward the purchase of a new iPhone. Mm-hmm. One of the things we have to do is check the phone for the same things, liquid damage or like right. physical damage. So I... I can usually check the phone to see if it powers on and everything and make sure all the buttons work. Mm-hmm. And then I just grab another, you know, somebody. Pass it on to somebody else. Yeah, let them check it for physical damage. Right. And then I put all the information into the recycle program and it gives me a value. Yes or no, you can recycle this phone for money. So you've obviously found that for what you're doing right now, everything voiceover works, Apple Screen Reader works with it? Yes, sort of. Okay. They... I want to say in October, September or October, they put on an update to our main point of sale system. Mm-hmm. And it added some functionality for, I don't, I don't even remember. It added functionality for something mm-hmm. that we couldn't do before. But it made it so voiceover can't see text inside of edit fields. So you can oh, enter text, mm-hmm. but you can't then edit it if you make a mistake. I mean, you can delete it, but voiceover doesn't tell you what you're deleting. And so I reached out to our internal, um, like IT people Mm -hmm. and I was like, this happened. And they said, is it preventing you from doing your job? And I said, no, it's cutting into my efficiency a bit just because I can't edit text easily. Right. But I didn't consider it a huge problem because the only time I enter text is when I ask a customer if they want to print receipt or email, if they say email, I put in an email address. Mm -hmm. What I've always done, even before this became an issue 
is shown the customer the screen and ask them if the email address was correct because I want to make sure that I spelled it right and right, didn't, you know. Right. So if it's wrong, I let them edit it anyway because it's their email address. Yeah. So it's not really affecting me. It's just, it's a nice thing to have fixed. Yeah. And they told me they figured out what's causing the issue, but it wasn't going to be fixed until an update came out in March. Oh, okay. So it's something that you can live with. It's yes. A pain you can live it's with. a pain, but I mean, March is kind of close now right. you know and it's not like they told me like if they had told me a fix is coming but didn't give me a dead like a date for it mm-hmm. i would have been a little bit more upset about it but they were like you know we we understand that this is difficult but it, it sounds like you can still do your job and we're gonna have it fixed by march yeah so i felt okay about it so you did you did you did training that was mm-hmm. primarily customer service based i remember when we visited before you had said that one of the things that you really liked about it was that they worked with you on just, you know, you said like, for example, your body language improved. Yes. So talk about, talk about just personally what the training meant to we, you. We had a section on eye contact mm-hmm. and body language as a whole mm-hmm. and how you can read people's body language. And I, I mean, I still can't read people's body language because that's way visual, just, you know, by its nature of being body language. But... They talked about the importance of eye contact. Mm-hmm. And my eye contact was awful mm-hmm. back then. Because I spent I had spent two years in an office with a guy and a book. You right, know? Right. I didn't have to look at him. He's looking at pages. I'm reading Braille. It, mm-hmm. There was no need for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was very attentive during this lecture and I decided that it was something that I needed to work on. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much of it was conscious, but I started making more of an effort to kind of look at people when I talked to them. And mm-hmm. I, I probably don't face people head on necessarily. No, I, I mean, you can look at them as best you can, but if you can't see their eyes, you can't. Exactly. <laughs> you don't know for sure. Exactly. But um, one of my coworkers, his name is Mike. Mm. And he is one of the people that I will go to if I need an answer for something. Mm-hmm. Because nine times out of ten, he knows the answer. He told me once that sometimes if he makes me wait for an answer, it's because he doesn't know it and he's looking it up. Mm-hmm. He admitted this to me once. Mm-hmm. But he just he has this wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I value that. So I, I go to him periodically and we were talking one day after work and just kind of you know shooting the breeze talking about whatever and he said you know this was in I think early November when we were having this conversation and he said you've gotten so much better at eye contact since we started working together Mm. and I hadn't even really thought about it I mean I you know I took it into consideration as something that I needed to work on Mm -hmm. but I'd never really thought about how well I was doing at it so receiving that feedback was awesome just to know that he noticed yeah and you know felt that it was it was something that he should let me know about so that's cool it it was a nice kind of un like i wasn't planning on that being a thing that improved when i started working for apple at all you know Mm -hmm. it just sort of happened and i'm glad that it did right right so um what do you basically what do you do for them i do a few things my primary role is sales Mm -hmm. so i sell everything that's not true it's sort of true. I sell phones, computers, iPads. Um, I sell some accessories, 
but I don't um, actively get zoned in accessories. When we go to work, we're, we're um, scheduled to be in specific parts of the store for specific blocks of time. Mm-hmm. And I, shortly after I started working for Apple, had a conference call with a bunch of the other, I say a bunch, there's seven of us, but <laughs> several of the other blind and visually impaired retail employees. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we talked about was things that are difficult for us to do and we talked about working in accessories mm-hmm. there are so many things in accessories mm. so many of the boxes are similarly shaped right and they have a tendency to add and remove product to accessories fairly frequently mm-hmm. so we all kind of decided we didn't like the idea of being scheduled to work in accessories but if a customer brought us an accessory we'd be more than happy to sell it to them mm. so my managers have been really good at not scheduling me to work in accessories if they do schedule me to work in accessories, people have been more than willing to trade with me. Mm, so cool. I've never worked in accessories. Um, scanning barcodes is an interesting challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the accessories, it's very easy. There's a sticker. There's mm-hmm. one sticker. You scan it. That's the barcode. You're done. On iPhones, there's a serial number, a UPC, an IMEI, which is basically an international equipment identification thing for the telephone itself, mm-hmm. and a number that corresponds to the SIM card so that when you enter the customer's information, it activates that SIM card on the correct phone number. Mm-hmm. I I think I tried on three separate occasions to scan all of those numbers in the correct order. Mm-hmm. And you can't really feel that. You can feel the stickers, but multiple numbers are on a sticker, so it, it's kind of a difficult task right so the iphones the sellable ones and the same was true with computers and ipads and stuff they don't live in the front of the store Mm -hmm. they live in the back in like a storage place Mm -hmm. somebody brings that out from the back to the front so i've partnered with my team in the back and i said hey you know it would be helpful to me if when you bring me a product you stick around for a couple minutes and just help me make sure i get all the barcodes scanned Mm -hmm. and they do they're very good about that um unless they're new (laughs) we had a person fill in once and she was like, are you John? And I said, yep. And she said, here's your phone. And she put it down on the counter and walked <laughs> away. <laughs> but uh, one of my other coworkers was there. I just sort of grabbed the photo. They were like, you probably want help scanning this, huh? <laughs> so it's, it's nice that I have enough people that have worked with me for a while that if somebody's new and doesn't realize, you know, Mm-hmm. And it's it's easy enough to fix. I just had a conversation with her after, and I was like, you know, when you bring me stuff, if you could do this, it would be helpful. And sure. from then on, she did. And she was only there for a day filling in for somebody, so it wasn't a huge deal. But Right. So um, how have – talk about how customers have reacted to mm-hmm. your disability. You... Customers are interesting. Um, one, of the, one of the things that I do at Apple is teach mm-hmm. uh, technology stuff, workshops. And the very first day I went to teach a workshop, one of my managers, you know, showed me where the workshop table was, made sure I knew where everything was that I needed to teach the workshop. And then he went to grab a customer and he brought the customer over and he said, this is John. He's going to be teaching you your workshop. And she said, well, he's blind. What's he going to teach me? Oh, God. My initial reaction, like I, I didn't really know how I wanted to deal with this, Mm -hmm. but I didn't say anything about it. And he actually told her he's one of our best employees. He really knows this stuff. And I could tell she just, she wasn't buying it. Right. She didn't want to hear it. She wanted somebody else to teach her her stuff. Um, And he walked away, right? He walked away. Yeah, he walked away because he had to go make sure that everybody else who was here for the workshop got to the workshop table. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so she didn't say anything to me initially. Mm-hmm. And then it just came time to start teaching the workshop. And I started teaching the workshop. And I figured, you know, I'm just going to let my knowledge and my teaching ability speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then if she still doubts me after, then that's just on her because I've done my best. Mm-hmm. She ended up staying after the workshop longer than anybody else. And she ended up asking me the most questions to learn about her new iPhone. Mm. So her attitude changed, but she needed to observe me doing it, I think, in order to really get that, yeah, I knew what I was doing and I could teach her stuff. So, you know, I mean, I remember we've, we visited about, you know, you'd have, you'll have customers come up to you and you've got the uniform on and the earpiece in your ear mm-hmm. and they're like, do you work here? Oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. And I've learned it's not just me. Everybody gets it. Mm. I used to think it was just me, mm-hmm. but it's all of my coworkers at one point in time have had this happen to them. And I think it's just kind of a general, un- like for people who can see, they're surprisingly unobservant sometimes. <laughs> they can see a store full of 20 or 30 people that are all wearing the same shirts, all wearing the same kind of earpieces. And just the connection does not, process all the way through to yeah they all work here and i don't really know why that is it's very strange to me so have you had to learn uh to just sort of not be offended yes um i am now at the point where i don't take anything really personally if it's related to me and my disability Mm -hmm. i get more upset if customers are just generally grumpy and I, I don't know how I got to this point. I really can't figure this out. We, we were visiting about this the other day because I, you, 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 I'm one of your one-to-one yes, people. Yes, <laughs> I, I teach you everything. I know. I'm so grateful because otherwise my Mac would have been turned into a Frisbee a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and every time I walk in there and I feel really like, just turning it into a frisbee. By the time I leave, I'm pretty happy. So you do well. That's why they keep me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm glad they do. Um, but I remember uh, you telling me a story about you helped a guy get his whole phone registered. And then he pressed the home button before he should have. Mm-hmm. Right? And it completely exited the transaction. And we would have had to start over. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, you know... You gave me all the information. All the important decisions are done. You know what phone you want. It's sitting right here in front of us. All I have to do is rescan it and enter the phone number so it activates on the SIM card and everything. And he just said, well, no, forget about it. And he threw my device back at me and he just left. And that bothered me. And it bothered me so much more than a customer coming in and saying, how is he going to help me? He can't see or anything like that. Mm -hmm. That doesn't even bother me anymore. But this guy just storming out of the store really bothered me why do you think why do you think that is i think it's because i had spent a lot of time with him like we had been working together for like 45 minutes Mm -hmm. and he seemed really you know he really seemed like he wanted to you know he wanted his phone Mm -hmm. and i felt like somehow i had failed him Mm -hmm. even though it was just he was just grumpy i took it as a failure on my part because he didn't want to get his phone anymore and and with with something related to your disability, you learn how to view it as it's about them, 
Mm-hmm. It's about the fact that they can close their eyes and they think, how in the world would I do, you know, everything from tie my shoes to exactly they cereal let alone use a phone and they don't even think they could use a phone yeah i mean they probably don't even know voiceover they don't even know voiceover exists sure let alone how it works so with the one you've learned to really uh you know with with any with what's related to your disability you learn how to really depersonalize it yeah i figure that the best way to kind of get them out of that mindset is to just do my job Mm -hmm. do it as best as i can and let them deal with their own feelings themselves mm, because you can't control that exactly yeah and i'm not there to you know to get into arguments about yes i can do this even though i can't see that's not <laughs> right that's not my purpose in life right ever really but especially when i'm there and you know got the uniform on and doing my job that's um fun. you have a dog yes and people love dogs Yes. And people love to pet dogs. Too much. And people are very good at ignoring the harness that the dog is wearing and the fact that you're holding onto the harness. How do you politely and professionally deal with, don't touch the dog? Because you're trying to sell stuff, so Mm -hmm. you don't want to offend people. On the other hand, you'd like the dog to continue to be your guide. Yes. (laughs) Not the, not the, the person's temporary pet. And it's hard. <laughs> and the hardest ones are the people who are not from the U.S. and don't speak very much English. Mm. Because to them, the concept of a working dog doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. People work. Dogs, <laughs> dogs don't work. Right. Dogs are pets. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I just ask them. I say, you know, my dog is working. He's got a harness on. That means he's working. And I would appreciate it if you didn't pet him. Mm-hmm. And most people are pretty good about it. Mm-hmm. But... I get, I've, I've had people go, oh, really? And then they kind of chuckle and then go back to petting. You have, you have a customer, so you try and distract people with yeah, just the shiny new but, phone. And sometimes distracting them doesn't always work. And at that point, I figure I'm just going to let them pet my puppy because A, I'm probably never going to see this person again. And B, at some point, they're going to have to fill out some information on my screen. So they're going to have to leave my dog alone to fill out the information. Right. And then they'll be busy and they'll lose, you know, they'll lose interest in my dog for at least for a couple minutes. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, it's, you, you sound like you're really smart to me and that your attitude is you can do some educating, but not all educating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're going to have to accept. Yeah. And, and also you can't control other people right. <laughs> and their choices. So. And little kids are the hardest. Do you say no to them? Or or also the people that say, can I pet your dog because I put my dog down three days ago and they seem like they really did. I still would tell them no. Mm. I mean, that might seem really heartless of me, but expectations need to be the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. I can't tell one person you can't pet my dog because he's working and then two minutes later tell another person sure go ahead and pet my dog especially if the person I just told no might still be around Yeah, because I don't sense. have the advantage of looking around and going oh they're not here right, you know right, I can right. I can tell you to pet my dog because the other person won't see Yeah. Um, so I just leave all expectations exactly the same um, I do take my dog in the back of the store sometimes into the break room and take him off harness and let my coworkers play with him mm-hmm. And I generally do it if I work a shift that ends, the store closes at nine. So if I work a shift until nine, I'll just go in the back after the store is closed, clock out and take his harness off and let any people who are staying after nine 
play with Clint for a few minutes because they've earned it, you know? Yeah. They're so good about not interacting with him. Um, you know, when you walk into the, the Apple store, when I walk into the Apple store, mm-hmm. the level of understanding that your coworkers have towards blindness is very impressive. People know not to grab my arm and to haul me through the Apple store to show mm-hmm. me where a table is. Mm-hmm. They seem to really get it. Um, and I'm assuming that's because of you. So, so talk about how yeah. you, the methods that what you do to educate your, your coworkers about people with disabilities. Totally. So one of the things that I've tried to do, and I, I partner with the people who facilitate training for new hires to make sure that I have an opportunity to do this is I will try to meet with every group of newly hired employees when they're doing their in-store portion of training. Mm-hmm. And I kind of tell them who I am and, you know, that the, tell them not to pet my dog and let them know, you know, what I do in the store, what they can do to help me mm-hmm. and how, you know, how to basically interact with people with disabilities. And one of the things I always tell them is everyone's different. I may want help with something that somebody else isn't going to want help with, or I may be able to do something perfectly fine without help that somebody would prefer to have some help with. So asking is going to be your best approach. And I also tell them, if you have questions, ask me. And they do. They're very good. If they have questions, they'll come and ask me. Mm. And sometimes they're, you know, their questions, like, a lot of times they're questions about my dog. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things he does is he, generally speaking, will take me up to the front of the store, mm-hmm. to the middle iPhone table, about halfway down the table and then he'll stop and he'll go under the table and he'll lie down. Mm. And one of my coworkers asked me one day, your dog always takes you to the same place. How does he do that? And so then we talked about how, you know, dogs pattern if you go to the same place often enough. Yeah. And <laughs> I prefer to stand in that spot because it's close enough to the door mm. that if people are loud enough, I can hear them coming in. Right. And Usually loud enough means they're engaged in conversation mm-hmm. or they're wearing heels or some, you know, some kind of louder footwear or they're pushing strollers. I love people with strollers because <laughs> I can hear them coming. And I also hate people with strollers because if they position their stroller properly, Clint and I can't get through the aisle because their <laughs> stroller is like, you know, blocking it. <laughs> and sometimes my dog is so patterned, mm. he won't look and see, oh, we have an alternative way to go there. He'll <laughs> right. just try to push through and I'm just can't do this. Right, right. <laughs> so it's it's kind of a pro and con to strollers mm. for me. But, um, and I, I've had customers, like I had a customer walk in one day and she was wearing heels and I said, hi, welcome to the Apple store. And she just went, how did you know I was there? Mm-hmm. And I told her, well, you know, I heard you coming. And I was very nice about it. My initial reaction was, well, duh, you're wearing heels. It's a hard floor. But <laughs> right, right. You, don't, you don't do that. You know, I just told her. I said, I heard you walking through the store. And, you know, I can tell when people are generally close enough that I figure I should say hello. Has, has it helped you to have more um, understanding for people's stupidity to have to be patient or... Do you still have the snarky thoughts go through your mind? And you oh, no, that'll it? never stop. <laughs> I I live in a family full of snarky people, so I don't think any amount of interactions with people who don't get it is going to help that ever end. You've just learned to be polite because that's, yes. that's part of your, that's, yes. the, that's the unwritten part of your job. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And I, if I if I really still feel the need to make some comment about it, I've got one of my coworkers who he he's one of my best friends, and so we'll just sit there and talk about the stupidity of people. <laughs> find a find a safe place to yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. He actually um, he's really good. A lot of my coworkers will send out emails that are just pictures, mm-hmm. and sometimes these pictures will have text in them. Mm-hmm. And my coworker's really good about taking the pictures and extracting the text and just emailing me a plain text copy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, if he thinks the pictures are cool, he'll include a description of them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the descriptions, he, he sent me one once and he was like, here's the text of the picture. The picture shows, you know, this background with this stuff in it. These color schemes are really weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then he'll email the rest of my market and he'll tell them you know when you send emails like this they don't work with voiceover so john can't read the comments mm-hmm. and he's been doing this for quite a while right. and people still you know they still send the emails the way they send them because that's just the way that they're used to sending out emails that's <laughs> that's what has always worked yeah my my family has a text string going on that they've had going on forever and um and they send pictures and the other day I was just in a grumpy enough mood to send them a reminder that I'm still blind mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I still don't know what is in the picture. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, people, you grew up with me. Exactly. What is your problem? Yeah. I don't yeah. need a, a thousand word description, just a simple <laughs> sentence of exactly. what this is a picture yeah. of. So. And the, the nice thing is, like, he he started doing it when we, when we got a, a group of new hires one time. They wrote about me. Mm-hmm. things and rather just sending out their about me's in mm-hmm. like their original form which was i'm assuming a word document or you know a pdf they took a screenshot of it and mailed it out Oh God. so <laughs> i i replied to the entire it, it went out to our whole store so i replied to the whole store and i was like would somebody mind putting this in a form that i can actually use and mm-hmm. he just jumped in mm-hmm. and started doing it for all subsequent things like that oh. and then one time he asked me he said um he, he he told me, he said, there are some things that I haven't been sending you descriptions of because they're just not important. Mm-hmm. He said, do you want them? And I said, unless they have information that is, you know, useful for me to know, like if somebody gets a promotion or something or a new hire or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. if, it, if it's just like a picture just for the sake of throwing a picture in an email, don't worry about it because mm-hmm. I don't care because it's not relevant. And... I'm going to miss him. He's going away to do a career experience for a while. Mm. And so I'm going to have to finagle somebody else into stepping into that role for a few months. Why do you think there are people that do that? That just sort of take it upon themselves to do stuff? Yeah. Yeah, that just, you know, I mean, you you find them, right? I mean, I've, yeah. I, I, I yeah. had a professor in college. He was in an audit- teaching an auditorium of 300 people, I walked to him up. It was a Greek mythology class. I walked up to him on the first day of class. I said, hi, my name's Tara. I, I always introduced myself to every single professor I had mm-hmm. um, because I had issues with the Accessibility Center talking for me. I didn't want them in the sure, middle of it. So, sure, sure. <laughs> um, and, and I said, you know, taking your tests. Um, and he said, oh, well, why don't I record the test on tape because it's Greek mythology and I know how to pronounce the names and you know, maybe your reader doesn't. I was like, oh, okay. sure. Yeah. You know, and I, I've had a few <clears throat> professors that have really, or, or like your, uh, science professor. Why yeah. do you think there are people that seem to get it in this just ton of grapes? Why do you think there are people that seem to get it in this 
I don't know, just go oh, above and they go above and beyond. I think above and beyond. I don't know, maybe maybe there's I, no answer for that. I think there may not be. I think for some of them, like they have disabilities themselves. And they may not be like, you know, there's Maybe visible dyslexic there's visible disabilities and there's invisible disabilities. Mm. It may not be a visible disability, but they may have one. So that makes them more aware of things, you know, pertaining to people with disabilities and they just decide to take it upon themselves because... Or maybe maybe they knew somebody? Mm-hmm. And either, you know, maybe they wished they had somebody to do that for them or they did have somebody to do that kind of thing for them and it just helped them in their life. So they want to pass it on. Mm-hmm. And maybe some people are just genuinely awesome human beings who just sort of have this innate understanding of how things should work. Right. I honestly don't know. I don't know. I've, I've always I've always wondered that. Why are there just, there are some people yeah, in society they just get it. like, you just get it. And then there's everybody else. Right. And then there's, <laughs> well, I've, I've always thought that, you know, somewhere around 10% of society seems to get it by the mm-hmm. time I come to them. Mm-hmm. Somewhere around 10% of society does not get it, will never get it, no matter what you do, no matter what you say. And 80% of everybody can be educated to some degree or other. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> so, um, I, I tend to surround myself with the 10% of society who get it, so I think my numbers are a little bit skewed. Well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, the, they're, the, it's, they're enjoyable to be around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um... So where do you hope to go with Apple? What do you... So... You know, five five years from now, given your ideal ideal situation, where, where do you want to be? Five years from now... I assume you still want to be working for Apple. I still want to be Apple. working for Apple. I want to be working for Apple forever. Mm-hmm. So this for you is your... This is, this is this where is... I want to stay. Mm-hmm. I'm in the process of applying... Apple does these things called career experiences. And career experiences give you an opportunity to do something that's outside of your normal role. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're in your store, sometimes they're at a different store, and sometimes they're at corporate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to apply for one at corporate. And I swore to myself that I would never work at corporate in anything, ever. Mm-hmm. Because? Because I just, I feel like the corporate mentality is very non-person-centric. Mm-hmm. It's very... You're just sort of here to better the business, and we only care about the business. We don't care about you as a human being. Mm-hmm. I never want to work in an environment like that. I'm hoping that Apple corporate is slightly different. So depending on how my corporate, like, first of all, depending on whether or not I get that experience, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the only person applying for it naturally. Right, right. If I get it, depending on how that goes, I may want to work in corporate mm-hmm. at Apple. But ideally, I'll still be in a retail store. I don't think I'll be doing sales in five years. Mm-hmm. I, if you had asked me this question about a year ago, I would have said I want to be a full-time trainer and only teach stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I do. I think I want to work in the Genius Bar and do more of the technical repair side of things. Mm-hmm. I also think there's a, there's a role that we have in our store, it's a, it's a guest trainer role. Mm-hmm. And it's not a permanent position. It's a, it's a career experience, actually. So it's about six months long. Mm-hmm. I want to do it. What is it? 
you are responsible for all the internal training for staff. Oh, okay. Not completely yourself, but you definitely do facilitate people to complete the training that they need. Like, mm. you know, when we have new product launches, we get training modules on our new phones and stuff. Somebody has to facilitate that training. That's the guest trainer's job. I want to do that so that I can do that on on a global level. Like five years from now, I want to be doing that. I want to be traveling and doing the global training with new hires. Mm. That's That's what I want to be doing. I want to still be working in a store, but I want to focus more on internal training. Do you feel... Um... Like that's possible. I mean, I I know that that's something that people with disabilities struggle with is you get the job and then you're you get the job and you stay in the job and you don't move. <laughs> um, I think it's very possible. Um, when I had my annual review, we have two stages of annual review. We have annual reviews with our like manager who's responsible for our development as an employee, mm-hmm. and then we have an annual review with the store manager. And when I had my annual review with the store manager, he and I were talking about this goal. And he said, these are the things that you're doing that will help you. And one of the things I try to do is anytime I find out something accessibility related Mm -hmm. that will affect our customers, Mm -hmm. either positively or negatively, I pass it on to the rest of the store through email. Mm -hmm. And he said, keep doing that sort of thing. And then he said... I should, and I'm, I'm working on opportunities for this, mm-hmm. I should present, we have um, pretty much daily, we have a meeting before the store opens. If, if you work before the store opens, you go to this meeting. And anybody who wants to can present content at it. So he said, I should find more content to present at these meetings so that I get more comfortable presenting. Because as, as the in-store trainer, you do a lot of presenting. And as, you know, as the person who's training new hires globally, you're going to do a, a lot more presenting. You, you have to present, you know, their entire training session to them. Right. So he's, he knows what I want to do and he's giving me suggestions on what to do to make it happen. That's cool. He's not just saying, that's great that that's what you want to do and then leaving me on my own to figure it out. They want all of the, all of us to succeed in whatever our long-term goals are. And they're going to give us suggestions. And he, he's probably told others but he specifically has told me if you have any suggestions for something that you want to do run mm-hmm. it by me because the worst i'm going to do is say no so um just a f- couple of final yes thoughts or questions what is blindness to you it's an interesting question because it's not something that i spend a lot of time thinking about it exists as part of me mm-hmm. But I think it affects people around me much more than it affects me. I just sort of recognize that I have it. Basically, all it means to me is I don't get to drive. And I'm going to have to rely on people for things sometimes that other people wouldn't have to. Transportation chiefly comes to mind. But other than that, I don't care. It's just sort of, I'm just a human being. And it bothers me when I see people who treat it as something different for themselves. Like I see, I see people, you know, blind people who want to rely on people for everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. I really don't like it because that's not what it should be. And I think some of that is, you know, how you're raised. 
Mm-hmm. And some of it is sometimes if you went blind later in life. But, you know, we were talking the other day. There are people who go blind later in life who just grab life by the horns and take it and learn and adapt. And then there are the ones who go, oh, my God, I'm blind. What am I going to do with myself? You know, right. life is hopeless. So I've always wondered why. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's that's one of the questions I hope to explore during we, this podcast as I get to interview different people with different disabilities is why do some people end up taking life by the horns and they're going to make it happen and other people shut down shut basically down. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah because I just I, I just kind of see my blindness as a personality trait almost mm-hmm. so when I was in my psychology class in college my freshman year we had to take those little you know describe yourself like describe yourself in like five personality attributes or whatever when I used to fill those out blindness was always one of my top three like i am a blind person was always made my list and as i've gotten older it doesn't even rate on the list anymore it's just sort of i don't think about it i don't even consider it part of my identity yeah i guess i guess i have to say if you describe me i would i would put blindness but personality traits i wouldn't put blindness yeah and i think they kind of they they called them personality traits, mm-hmm. but nobody ever really just limited them to personality traits. We mm-hmm. always put just you know attributes of ourselves, huh. okay. and I guarantee you, other people would probably put blind as a as a thing for oh, me. Oh, sure. But I I just it's whatever. Yeah. I've and I think part of the reason I don't do it anymore is because I don't hang out with blind people as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. I my coworkers are sighted. You know, I work in a job that's putting me in contact with mostly sighted people Mm -hmm. and I don't see that the blindness is or needs to be an identifier of me anymore Mm. doesn't doesn't really matter yeah yeah um any advice I, I don't know who my Hopefully I'll get listeners. I know this is this is totally new so we'll see we'll see what happens but the people that I envision this podcast being directed towards are people with disabilities themselves or people that have an interest, uh, you know, whether that's parents or family members or spouses or something. So any advice for people? Yes, kind of. Okay. Um, like, you know, like I said in the very beginning, my parents never discouraged me actively from doing anything aside from driving. Mm-hmm. So if you are a parent of a person with a disability, or if you're a parent, period, don't discourage your child from doing the things that they want to do. You don't necessarily have to like their choices. Maybe you don't want your kid to play the drums because they're going to practice at 2 in the morning and that's annoying to you, but your kid wants to play the drums and wants to be in a band. Don't squash that dream for them. Mm -hmm. Encourage them. Tell them two in the morning is not a good time to practice, but don't stop your kids from pursuing their dreams. And if you are a person who's like, you know, with a disability, have dreams and reach for them. You may not always make them, but that's, that's life. doesn't matter if you're disabled or not. You have dreams. Some happen. Some never get off the ground at all beyond the stage of being dreams. And some you work really hard for and just things don't line up properly and you're not going to reach them. But 
try try to not let that discourage you. And that's hard. That's way easier said than done because I still sometimes, if things don't work out exactly the way I want them to, I still feel a little discouraged from time to time, but not like I'll just move on to something else. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think the most important lesson that this journey of life and working and all this stuff that you're on so far, what do you think the most important lesson is that you've learned? <laughs> Remember before when you told me you weren't going to ask hard questions? Uh, well, apparently I just did. I guess I lied. <laughs> I... That's a... I'm glad you asked this question because I don't know that I've ever really thought about this before. Okay. I think the fact that I can't educate everybody... Mm-hmm is something that I've had to learn because mm. I used to, like I said out a long time ago and I decided I'm going to, I'm going to advocate for myself to everybody and everybody's going to learn about, you know, disabilities and about access for dogs and you can't do it. You would just run yourself absolutely into the ground if you try to advocate and educate every single human being in the universe. Mm-hmm. So it took me a while to learn this, but I, I'm glad that I've learned that I just need to let some of them go. Mm-hmm. and make their own way and do what they're going to do because I'm not going to be able to change them. Mm. It was hard, especially at first. Like, I just, you know, I needed everybody to know. I wanted to yell at airport security people when they made me give them my cane and put it on the security thing instead of take it through security with me. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to tell them, well, then next time you go through security, gouge out your eyes and put them on the security <laughs> thing and walk through. But I learned that that's not an appropriate response and it's not going to help my case. Mm-hmm. but my my uh, my my goal was to just you know make everybody aware all the time and you can't do that mm. some some people probably you know try that's why they write books and you know pamphlets and things but not everybody's going to read them and so what have you found as a the what's best, your happy medium my happy medium is to educate the people who want to be educated and at least try to, you know, try with the rest once. Mm. But I'm only going to try once. I'm not going to beat myself up if they refuse to get it. Like the dog thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly like the dog thing. Awesome. Well, any final thoughts? No. I think we covered all of the things. Okay. It's Thank been fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, join us next time for another episode of Accessible accessibility stories or what in the world ability stories and if you out there listening have a disability and there have been some challenges that you have worked through particularly as regards employment um send me an email i'd love to hear from you and get people on the podcast thank you for joining us on ability stories please review this podcast in itunes To comment on this episode, please go to abilitystories.podbean.com. If you have any show ideas or would like to be a guest on Ability Stories, send an email to abilitystories at gmail.com. And thanks for listening.